Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to this week's Rugby Pod brought to you by our friends at Guinness. I'm Andy Rowan. As usual, I'm joined by Big Jim and Goody who are back from a week in Hong Kong. How was it, guys? Yeah. Why are you asking that? I don't want to talk about it, to be honest. <laughs> why, why, why are you asking me that? No, I'm not all right. You don't like yourself anymore, do you, Jim? Heaven and hell collide in a place called Hong Kong. And they say, you've been Hong Konged. <laughs> well, I've been Hong Kong wonged. That's all I know. <laughs> Hong Kong wonged. Oh, I mean, when, when, when do we get over it? I don't know. It's horrific, the feeling, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know what the feeling is. It's one of them, right? So when we're flying there, I'm thinking to myself, I can fly this plane. Like The whole way over, I'm thinking, I, I can fucking fly the plane. On the way home, I have convinced myself that it's going down. <laughs> Did you ever think about opening the um, the door on the way back? No, I didn't. No, oh, you didn't. No, Rio, I, Rio, I, Rio Ferdinand would have gone mad. Oh, we were on a pl- I was sat next to Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, he didn't know me. <laughs> um, well, I think he was. I think he was playing hard to get. Do you reckon he was as dark as we were on the way? Out? No, no. no? I, don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know, like this Israel Folau things come out today, and I'm I'm trying to work out what I am. So I'm a drunk. Yes. Fornicator? That's what I was looking for. Well, what the hell is a fornicator? I'm probably that. I googled it, and it's someone that fornicates outside of marriage. No, I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> Horrific. The, the one thing that did cheer me up, though, see, you know you get to the end of a tour, end of a stag do, end of a trip to Hong Kong, whatever, and you get to the airport, the panic, the you've got the shakes, you've done five days, six days, however many days on the smash. I needed two, and I felt horrendous. <laughs> and you sit there at the airport, and you're like, oh. You feel, you hate yourself. Everyone's the same. There's no one buzzing anymore. You're like, oh no. And it's like, oh, back to the real world. And then Jim's like, Goody, what time do we land? I'm like, it's midnight in Hong Kong. I'm like, I think we like land at half five at Heathrow in the morning. Fuck, I haven't booked my flight back to Edinburgh, have I? <laughs> Completely forgot. <laughs> forgot to book his flight home. Um, he's like, how are you getting home? I was like, I'm driver picking me up at the airport. No doubt. Straight home. Straight in the shower, straight to work, like hating yourself. He hadn't, <laughs> he hadn't even booked a flight to get out. That cheered me up. At the end of a tour, people were half the men that they were when they arrived. And women. There was a lot of women in there that had been... It was like a zombie apocalypse. That's what it seemed like when we were there. And it's one of them got through the door. I, 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 it could have been the next day because I hadn't booked my flight, so I had to get the train. <laughs> I had to get a tube from the airport into central London and get the train back out. So I rocked up. I don't even know what time. Mr. said, how was it? I just said... Quiet. Quiet. <laughs> Didn't go out. Load of corporate. Let's, you know, we just spoke to people. How are hit, you, Andy Rowe? I got hit by a truck last Friday. What? what why mm. are you saying that for? Where? I got hit by a truck. I was biking into uh, in the city. Just plowed into the side of me. Huh? What, what, why are you bringing the tone of the podcast yeah. down? Well, you were just asking me how I was. I was going to tell you about my show. Hold on. Where there's blame, there's a claim here. Let's, yeah. Hold on. We can make some money out of this. Mate, very true. Let, let, so, are you insured? Yeah, no, I'm no, sure. first, I'm first, are you okay? I'm okay. <laughs> That's the wrong answer. Yeah. You should say, I'm... Mate, you're, mate you've done something to, to your stomach. It's swollen as well. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go back to Hong Kong. No. Oh, mate, we'll give a few shout-outs because, no. albeit, and I've, I've, not, I've tried not to look back, I'm now looking forward. I love my wife. I love my children. Um, and I'm trying to look forward. But let's look back because we have to give a few shout-outs because there are some great people doing some great things over in Hong Kong. And Tom Vandale is not one of them. Um, well, he's doing things. He's but doing not great things. things. Oh, yes, he is. So, is he doing things? Um, no, his wife is over there now. No, he wasn't. No, Why is he horrible well, about mate, him? You just, that's his past. Yeah, yeah, that's his past. So a few shout-outs. We did a game. I say we did a game. We migrated through a game of touch, myself and Goody, for tackle cancer. 
one of the lads there who organised it, Gaz, he had, well, basically, he's still got cancer, but he's going through treatment now, and he put on the game of Legends. How good is that to be called an absolute legend? Basically, well, it, to fill, fill I in, mean, it's, but. it's, I felt in awe, to be honest, because they'd, they'd asked us, we're ambassadors for the Hong Kong 10s. I mean, that seemed like four months ago, but it was only last Wednesday, Thursday, wasn't it? And they've said to us, um, we're going to run this charity touch game for tackle cancer. Would you two mind skippering a team each? We'll go Jim's heroes against Goody's heroes. England versus rest of the world. And we rock up. We're like, yeah, you know, we'll get some guys there. And they did some, got some guys to come along. The names were ridiculous. Lawrence Delalio. Sarevi. Wysali Sarevi. I mean... Whose team was he in? He was on my he mate. On Jim's. I, I ain't happy with him at all. He ain't reading me. So I'm captain, right? And I am coming. I'm coming from 100 miles away. And I've hit this line. And I've seen a, a space between Goody and Jason Leonard. And albeit not a big space, but I've seen space. And by the way, you want to see Jason Leonard's testicles. I've never seen anything oh like it in my, my life. Basically watermelons. my life, I've never seen anything. Anyway, there was space. And I've hit this line. He's fucking dumbing me. I'm screaming from a mile away. Sarevi hit me, hit yeah, me. Man. And he dummies me, steps the wrong way, and goes and hits David Campesi, who, by the way is absolutely village at the game of rugby. <laughs> like, Campo thinks he's good, though. He's like, switch me, play me, play me, hit me. No, 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 run that line. Shut up, Campo. David Campes, he's about 125 years old. <laughs> I'm like, mate, if I have it if I have it my way, you ain't playing again. And I asked him to grade himself after the game. He, said he gave himself a one and a half out of ten, which I thought was probably 1.5 too much. Generous. Uh, but, yeah, we lost. But I put Goody into next week. So right. Goody, now, let's go back Goody's to, wobbling can we, can around. We go back to, can we go back to Sarevi, though? Because I said to Sarevi after the game, I'm like, why didn't you hit Big Jim? He said, Goody, he have hands like tits. <laughs> <laughs> he said mitts. <laughs> he said mitts. Big, strong, keep you warm. Yeah, no, it's good. It was good, wasn't it? And then Jim thinks it's funny. It's touch, right? For tackle cancer, touch. And, I mean, watching this clown, I mean, I can't move. Basically, the knee's fucked. I'm, you know, I've put on a couple of pounds. Why are you saying that like anyone should be surprised? But you, you're running around thinking you're a hero. I mean, you've heard it here. So every, it's a t- game of touch and he's trying to run a hard line like it's full contact. <laughs> you've only got to get two hands on you, Jim. You've got to stop and go back to the mark. Anyway, I get the ball and I just see him come in and he tries to tackle me. It's basically bent back, the worst tackle technique you've ever seen in your life. The king prawn. I'm laughing at him. He's hung like a prawn as well, just for, for reference. His back's arched and he goes I, I now realise you know when he tells all these stories about I fucking smashed him into next week I, you know I absolutely emptied him you felt it I felt absolutely I'm giggling <laughs> and then I put a, basically put the most ridiculous Sonny Bill offload into uh, little Rory Underwood and off he goes and scores you're a clown aren't you but we, all I know is if we didn't have David Campes we would have won the game so shout out anyway to the guys who played in that and everyone who organised it who else we got shout outs for well, I mean, the dinner on Wednesday night, Doddy Weir's dinner oh. for the My Name's Doddy Foundation. Johnny Gould, without a shadow of a doubt, is the best, funniest, most impressive auctioneer you will ever meet in your life. In the world. There's a few other shout-outs as well. Uh, Cafe Pacific, Martin Murray, yeah, who helped organise the event for Doddy. And I know everyone talks about this um, and talks about charity and stuff like that, but to be in the presence of what Doddy Weir's doing and be in this kind of space where you know we're going to things... Like what Doddy is doing and the awareness and, of course, the money. And we speak about Matt Hampson, he's the same. But it is just, you know, you can say, oh, I'm, it's inspiring. But actually, you know, I, I, I'm lying in bed thinking about what he's doing and what he's going through and the people that are helping him through that journey. And it is nothing short of ridiculous in, a, in such a good way. It's crazy. Sir Billy Connolly. 
was there as well. Yeah, he and he spoke. Out. He spoke for five minutes. So Billy Connolly comes over. He's struggling with Parkinson's. He's hilarious. Just seeing. I mean, it was mind blowing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, they, I think they raised over half a million quid on the night, which is a ridiculous amount of money. It's phenomenal. Um, I don't yeah, even that, think. That the, I, don't, I don't even think the whole week. I don't think I watched a one game of sevens. I was either there working at the bar. I was there in a the ball. <laughs> so how how were the how were the festivities outside of the engagements that you guys had to attend? A bit, a bit of wine, didn't what we, Jim? No, not me, mate. Um, what have you heard? <laughs> I don't know anything. I tell you what is dangerous. Hanging out with Drew Mitchell too much. What a bloke he is, eh? Legend of a bloke. Proper good boy. Uh, you guys got any stories for us or what? Nope. Deny, deny. What do you know? Yeah, no. Can we... We should move on, really, from Hong Kong because as amazing as it was... I love my wife and I love my <laughs> children. <laughs> well, we are coming to you a bit later in the week because these guys have been busy in Hong Kong. Uh, so we're not going to talk too much in depth about last weekend, but we are going to talk about Leicester again because uh, they conceded, obviously, over 50 points, the most they've conceded for over 30 years. Just how bad is it, guys? And how big is this week's game against Newcastle? It doesn't get any worse at the minute, does it? Um, I want to put this 50-pointer into context, though. So they've conceded over 50 points to Exeter. Let's not forget that Jim Hamilton has played for Leicester in the time when they've not conceded 50 points. That's how bad they are now. Like <laughs> Jim, Jim's not even playing. Well, all the talk, well, there's a few talking points, isn't there? There's a talking point of obviously Genge and Noel's interaction. I think Genji's looking at him saying, you absolute C-bomb. We can't go out now. It's now over 50 points. Keep it under 50, you go out in the smash. Keep it, keep it under 50, you can go out. You can, have, you, can, you can have a few drinks responsibly and you can convince yourself you won the game. The minute it goes over 50 points like that, why well, I, I ain't out. It's like cinema at the absolute most. <laughs> cinema at the Noel's most. Noel's gone over and he knows it's going to be over 50. Uh, and the interaction is, is, mate, I hate you. But well, they, what's he done? He slapped him on the back and well, smiled a bit. Or yeah, whatever. Just they were could... on holiday two weeks ago together, all in Dubai at the same time I was there. So Noel, Henry Slade and Ellis Genge. So they're, they're mates, they're close. I think it's been misconstrued. But you look at, um, but, but it look, doesn't help. It doesn't no. help when you're losing by fifty. You know, you're in the trenches and you can just take it one or two ways, can't you? So and you look at it. It's. I mean, oh, I don't want to keep bagging Leicester, but you've got to look. You, you know, it's just ridiculous to even think that they're in this position. It's ridiculous. I had in, in a million years we said, oh, you know, they could be in a relegation fight. We're obviously saying it tongue in cheek, but we'll come on to the game against Newcastle and Goody thinks slightly different to me in terms of I think this is the biggest game in Leicester's history but I just you look at the season as a whole you look at the changes that they've had it's all it's all mismanagement off the field you know you feel for Jordan Murphy as head coach you do and you can see it in Jordan's face now and his and his hair and the colour of his hair the stress is real well you know Jordy better than me but I just I do feel for him I, I do but it's also mismanagement it's decisions being made off the field in terms of recruitment in terms of where they've gone since Cocker's left um, and it's just bad decision after bad decision and you know people that are making those decisions um, you know, recruitment has been very poor and that I said it earlier in the season it's a mid-table at best team squad and the fact the way the premiership's panned out this year with you know Newcastle finished fourth last year they're bottom of the league you know, Bristol have come in and spent money Everyone thought the battle would just be between Worcester and, and Bristol, didn't they, at the start of the season? Worcester have lost all their players. Well, it's it's been a crazy Premiership season in terms of the competitiveness of relegation for however many clubs are in there. Because you go back historically over the last five years, six years, there's always been a, a team. Well, they're going down, and that you know throughout the season, there's never been a question of who's going down. Really, 
And this year, you, you still can't pick who's getting relegated, can you? Leicester, it's, you know, they've got big, big problems, haven't they? And, and there's it, a couple it, of bits it, on that as well. You took, they bought Mike Ford in, right? Who isn't... Here we go. He's not the most trustworthy person in the world. You've then got George Ford, his son, doing it. I read an interview with George Ford saying that we've lacked clarity in how we're going to... We're playing this year and hopefully you know, Mike can bring in some clarity. I'm like, you're the fly half of the team. It just doesn't sit well with me because I know Ford, he wants to be head coach. He wants to be director of rugby. He's going to be pitching day in, day out. Mike Ford here, I can do a job for you. <laughs> um, and Because it's what he's done previously. He ousted... We might as well get it out there. Yeah, go on, goody, mate. This is, this is going to get rid of your Hong Kong fear. Go. <laughs> he ousted go. Gary Gold, um, head coach, director of rugby, call him what you will, head honcho at Bath. They were doing well. Boom, all of a sudden he's gone. Mike Ford's got himself promoted. You're in a relegation scrap. I don't know. I just don't think that's... I don't think that was the right... But obviously it's not... You know, there's a few... Obviously, Youngsy, Tom Young's getting sent off at the weekend as What'd well. What do you make of his red card? I, I mean, letter of the law, it's a red, but you can argue it both ways, can't yeah, you? I don't know. Where, where he's caught him and where he's bent his neck, and it's is it fully part of the ruck? I, obviously, that's the only thing, is it's slightly on the edge of the ruck, and there's a little bit of distance between where it's happened and where the actual ruck is. And it's, you know, Youngsy goes into rucks like that all the time. Yeah. You know, he's one of Leicester's only saving graces, really, the way that he carries himself and what it means to him to play for Leicester. Uh, so to lose him... You know, for how how many weeks it's going to be, we're recording as the as as it's going on now. So I, t- I I could see why Jordan's peed off about it. I don't th- I I don't think it's a record. I've seen ones a lot lot worse than that. You know, you watch you know New Zealand versus Ireland, for example. You know, when you've got a battle like that going on, and their lads are flying in left, right, and centre, and I love it. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't think people should be entering rooks like that. I'm not with them people. But if you're seeing the way that some people are entering rooks compared to the way that Youngsy entered that rook, I would probably see that 10 times a game. Exactly the same. I think Youngsy's thing is the, is the fact that it has happened slightly to the side of the rook. And, you know, you look at it now, obviously Youngsy's going to get banned. Ben's injured. He's had surgery on a shoulder, I think. Tamu is asked to leave. Sweet, sweet Mary. Uh, and then, oh, I tell you what, then you've got to go up to Newcastle on a Friday night. All the best. Coach by Dino, John Wells, ex-players there, Toby Flood. Gonover. Nicky Gonover. Mullapola. Mullapola, yeah. Re- reality of it is, right, they're five points clear of Newcastle. They're going to Newcastle this weekend. They can still afford to lose that game and not get relegated because they've got two home games against Bristol, I believe, in a couple of weeks. And then last game of the season. Now, this is what I think could be the biggest game of the club's history. If they are going into the last game of the season at home with relegation on the line, they play their oldest, biggest rivals, Bath, at home. Now imagine that. Imagine you're a Bath fan, a Bath player that knows about the history. And you talk about big rivalries. Yeah, there's obviously the West Country derby this week, Gloucester against Bath. But historically, the big rivalry between in club rugby in England was Leicester against yeah, Bath. Yeah, the 80s and 90s, yeah. So, yeah, that could be the biggest game. But, you know, they beat Newcastle this weekend. They're safe, in reality, because there's there'll be nine, eight, nine, ten points clear of Newcastle. Depends on how many ever points each team gets with three games to go. I don't think they're going to win. Okay. I agree. I think Newcastle win this on, on Friday. How do you see it panning out? How do you see Newcastle winning? It'll be the shittest game ever. And I've played in a lot. And I don't mean that any disrespectfully to um, the players. <laughs> Goody, you're right, Goody. Is everything all right? I thought it was just me. No, I thought it was me. I don't like anything in the world. I just thought it was me, mate. Unless you played in these relegation battles... No, I never have. You, I mean, Jim. Sorry, mate. 
let's not forget, I played at Worcester, I saved Newcastle. You know, I've played in these games when they are edgy affairs. Like you snatch at passes, you you know, you just think, fuck, just boot it. Don't play any rugby in your own half. All the things that you think are going to win you a game, you're just going out there trying not to lose it. You don't go out and try and win the game. So you, you're trying to play percentage, negative percentage rugby, so there's no risk. Um, and... Honestly, there'll be so much tension. I can't wait to sit on the sofa, get the get the twins in bed early on Friday night, watch it. They're never classics. They're, you know, they're never going to be games that are full of tries or whatever. There's so much on the line, and Newcastle know that it's a huge opportunity for them. Talk me through how you play this negative percentage type rugby. What do you do as a first five? Well, I'm looking around. I'm like, lads, you're fucking chasing kicks all day long. We're not playing any rugby inside of anywhere but the tw- their 22. Literally, line out on their 10 meter line, catch drive, welly the fucker. <laughs> Chase kicks, boys. You know, you play... Okay, you are going to play some rugby, but nothing in your own half. These are two teams very low on confidence, aren't they? I'd say Leicester more so. Yeah. Newcastle have actually got better form than Leicester. Leicester have won, what, they won three games in their last 20 or something like that? Yeah, so on a more positive note, Gloucester uh, had a win away to Saints over the weekend. Did you guys catch any of that? Well, I caught the the highlights, and we were following it. I think we were at the were we at the airport. I don't, I don't Mate, know. Where just, I, was. Yeah, just, I don't even know. We were somewhere. We were somewhere. And we were getting. It. I said to Goody, I said, "Have you seen Gloucester? They're absolutely smoking Northampton." And I, I, I said at the beginning of the season, I thought Gloucester were going to make top four. Goody thought Northampton. Both teams have come good this season. Both teams are playing some great ruggers. But Gloucester, when they want to turn it on, they can turn it on. Well, we've got someone here that can tell us a little bit about uh, that game and how things are going at Gloucester at the moment. Uh, you guys are looking good for a playoff uh, place now, aren't you? We've got Ed Slater on the phone. How are you, mate? How you doing, guys? All right? Good. Slates, before you answer the question, have you ever been to Hong Kong? Yes or no? No. Don't, don't, don't go. Don't, don't, don't go, mate. Don't go, mate. <laughs> Why? Oh. Don't ask. No, just don't <laughs> ask any questions. Ask no questions. <laughs> see no lies. Ask when them some we, questions. We're going to see Jim dress up and, and sing in front of the South Stand. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate, Shabao sold his soul, didn't he? Hey, mate, for half a million pounds, I'll do it, mate. <laughs> there was a massive win for you guys away at Saints at the weekend. Does it feel like you're almost in touch with the playoffs now? It's, it's difficult now. I think top two are obviously cemented. But at the moment, I think that group underneath will all kind of play each other over the next few weeks. So it's, it's not a, a, a done thing for us. Obviously, a massive win for us away at Northampton. I, I think um, Northampton one of the form sides at the moment with, some of the points they're scoring. Um, but then, you know, we've got Bath on the weekend. We, you know, we've got a couple of injuries in the back line uh, that we picked up from from Northampton game and obviously some guys that were, were missing for that. So down to a few bones in that back line. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a big challenge and just got to take it week by week. Yeah, I love what you're saying there, Slates, but you're 11 points clear of sale. You're in the playoffs, let's just admit <laughs> it. Um, yeah, obviously, it's the it will be Gloucester's first appearance in the playoffs for eight years, but I want to talk about you, Edward Slater, because you are absolutely smashing it at the minute, scoring tries for fun. How much did you enjoy, as an ex-Leicester player, scoring a try at the Gardens on uh, on Sunday? You're welcome. Mate, I loved it, yeah. I, it's just a shame about the celebration, isn't it, really? I don't know if you've seen it, but... I saw uh, the smile. It's a little, yeah. It's just the arms that I throw up in the air with the with the camp hands and come <laughs> dancing. So, no, I did. I did enjoy. I think I was getting a bit of stick actually every time I kind of there was a break in play and I was by the sideline. There are a few few comments referring to my past as a tiger, and so um, I enjoyed the try. And I, I think I eyeballed one of the, the Saints fans who was a bit head in hands 
and just enjoyed it a little bit, yeah. Always, always enjoy scoring at Northampton. And mate, all the talk this season at Gloucester uh, has been obviously about Sips. I act as if we're best mates. We're probably our best mates. And I know you get asked this question. We've, we've got to ask you and, uh, to answer to the millions of listeners. Is this about Caroline Flack or not so much? Well, we can talk about <laughs> Caroline Flack if it, uh, well, I'm sure. Is it true? Is he with Caroline Flack? <laughs> <laughs> mate, no comment. <laughs> There's a few photos flying around, isn't there? So... Um... I'll let, I'll let them do the talking. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, well, now he's re-signed. I mean, he's been living on Henry Henry Trinder's sofa, um, spooning the pug every night. So now he's signed his million-pound deal. He might be off. But what's it been been like having a player of his quality amongst the ranks? It's been good. You, you hear a lot of stuff about it, so you you know before I before I'd gone to Gloucester or before before he'd moved over, you know I built an opinion of him, and it wasn't a fair one. It was probably based on a lot of. And the rugby chatting and around the changing rooms, a few stories you see in the papers. And since I've met him and worked with him, it, it couldn't be more opposite to, to the idea I'd had beforehand. I think playing-wise, you can. I think you can see how much of an impact he's had on the team in terms of the forwards. He's just got us organised, and it's it isn't anything complicated. It's really quite clear and simple. But he just explains what he wants from us so well, and we've had a little bit of consistency in, in selection with that forward pack that we've got the best out of ourselves, I think. So I think his talent speaks for itself when, when you're watching him week in, week out. But in terms of, of how he's organised and, and, and leading the team on the pitch, certainly in attack, he's been top class and been, been a massive difference for us this year. And then when you, you talk about the pack and you talk about the consistency, some of the quality players that are playing, you know, Jaco Creel's been unbelievable at open side flanker. But for you, in the second row, you're probably in the form of your life at the minute. Has that got much to do with playing with Franco Moster? Has it got a lot to do with Ackerman being, you know, he was a quality second row as well in his time? You know, you, you've, been, you've been sitting through the archives, haven't you, circa 2013, <laughs> just to see the level of what it takes to play at Gloucester? <laughs> Mate, honestly, I'm, I'm enjoying the rugby at Gloucester and You'll probably see that on the pitch, as you're saying. Um, I, I'm not used to the kind of um, environment. Ackerman's great at Ross, you know. Leicester, it's pretty black and white. You're in, you work hard, and you're out of there. Ackerman's a um, bit more of a buy-in from the players. You know, enjoys, enjoys spending time outside of training together. You know, he creates different things for us to go and enjoy ourselves. Quite often, it will include a beer or two, which which always helps. So that side of things is really good. Look, dropped a bit away. We've got Dan Tobin down here, who, who I think is first class. And then, yeah, like you, you've mentioned Mostar. I think for me, he's, he's kind of driven um, driven the standard. You, you see the work he gets through in 80 minutes. It's ridiculous. I've never seen a bloke like it with the engine on him. So for me, that's kind of, you know, he, he's at the top of the game. And he's a springbok. He's a, uh, he's a world-class player. So for me, that's I'm I'm watching him day in day out, the standard he sets, and you know I'm trying to, for that I'm not as good as him, but um, I'm trying to, to to work as hard as him and contribute as much as he is, and hopefully you know you you see that in in both of our performances at, at the weekend. Now, how hard is he? Because he flies into rocks like you've never seen people in your life. You've been you've been on the end of one of his clear outs yet, or what? No, no, we, we don't do too much live stuff in. Um, training to be fair again a little bit different to what I'm used to um, at Leicester but I mean he's only about 100 kilos isn't he so is that all he uh, is uh, he's, he's about 100 105 106 I think Jeez, that's lighter but, than um, me. So, so we asked. <laughs> <laughs> but don't say geez. Surprise! <laughs> so, he, need, he needs he needs to launch himself in there just just because he hasn't got the extra few kegs 
Well, mate, even if it was 135, mate, it'd still be lighter than Goody. Um, <laughs> well, I, I know we, sp- we actually spoke earlier in the season uh, on when I did the column for Rugby Pass and we were chatting about England stuff. And I know it's all about the next game and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, surely you, you look at your form, and I know you're a humble man or whatever, but personally, do you see there's a realistic opportunity? Have you heard off Eddie? Is he okay? And... Do you think there's an opportunity for you if you carry on, Gloucester make the top four, you know, say you go on to, to win that game in the final. Do you think there's an opportunity for you, Ed, or not? Uh, I'd be really sure. I'd, I don't think so. Um, you look at you look at the guys that are in that second row, um, obviously the, the kind of the front runners are, are Cruiser, Etoje, Laundry Laws, and they're all quality players and they've all been doing it for the last few years. And then I think he probably sees the younger guys after that. So you've got Charlie Yules, um, Elliot Stoog. So I think he, he sees them filling that, that void if, if anyone gets injured. So, no, not really, I guess is the honest answer. <laughs> and talking about those Bath boys, Charlie Yules, Elliot Stoog, uh, obviously West Country Derby on Saturday. Uh, are you going to be filling those boys in or what? Filling them in. <laughs> um, it's a big one for the fans, isn't it, the Bath? Yeah, I don't know how you found it, Jim, when... Did you, ever win? Did you ever beat Bath? Mate, well, I beat hey, Slates. If they ain't shown you it this week, they will show you it towards the end of the week. So we played Bath. I think I, I just say I scored in the corner. I don't remember that. <laughs> and then the crowd are going mad, and the fight gets pushed over into the shed. And then the, all the Gloucester fans are like literally holding on to me. So I take two pints off the Gloucester fan, neck them both with my left hand, <laughs> sm- basically smash the glass on my head, and then walk off, mate. They think I'm an absolute hero in that place, and this is one of the best games. Ever. Is there, what's the build-up been like, actually? Uh, no, to be honest with you, we've kind of tried to avoid the, the, the derby chat just because I think for us, we're just focused on getting a win. You, you start throwing the, the derby chat in there and sometimes you can waste a little bit of energy during the week. But as soon as you, know, as soon as you turn up at, at King's Home on, on Saturday and the atmosphere, I think the place is sold out. I think we got humped by Bath last time at King's Home, so that that does play in the back of your mind, you know. And the, and the game kicks off. I'm sh- I'm pretty sure it'll start to get a little bit lively. And then um, last thing, obviously, we we spoke before about Leicester and what they're going through at the minute. Uh, they're obviously a massive game up in Newcastle on Friday night. Uh, you're looking back on uh, on your time at Leicester with with fond memories. I know you do, and and you know you've got a lot of respect for the club. But what are you seeing now from an outsider as to where it's gone wrong and why are they in that, that position? I mean, it is hard. It is hard work watching them at the moment. But I felt, you know, I felt bad for them against Exeter because there was. I did see an improvement um, in the way they played. It's just they seem to come up against, you know, a, a quality exercise who uh, they start throwing like Slade and, and Noel who are, are moving the ball around, and not many teams are, are dealing with them very well. So it was a difficult game for them to come back in with Mike Ford on board. But there was a bit of an improvement, I think. They've got to get the pack right. They've got to get that recruitment right, and maybe a bit more continuity in the squad at the moment. There's a there's big turnover of players coming in and out, short-term loan signing, fill fill gaps here and there, and just kind of creates a little bit, or or they lack that little bit of identity. So if they can settle that squad down and, and bring in some key players up front, they've obviously got the bat line to 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 beat any team in the league on their day. But at the moment, it's just been a bit hit and miss every year for the last few years, hasn't it, in terms of recruitment? Yeah, it certainly has. Now, last thing I will ask, uh, you got a week off next week? Are you going on holiday or what? What's happening? We've got a couple of days off beginning of the week and then we're, um, then we're, we're in at the, the back end. Oh, he hasn't given me the full week to get to Dubai. Mate, I'm not dragging three kids to Dubai. <laughs> mate, I, I, I'm dragging four, mate. Jim's, I'm dragging going, four. Jim's <laughs> going next week with four. He I thought you could all meet up. Him. 
you, you get that paid for, don't you? You know, you're a big dog. You've got all the sponsors, and you throw a few Twitter posts up there, and and you get your uh, you get your stay for free. Guilty as charged, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, lads. Ed, thank you all very right, much for joining us. Best of luck, especially at the King's Time this weekend. Thank you, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Good lad. Top lad. No, Good lad. no, top lad. Top boy. Very honest as well. Well, we spoke about states before, haven't we? Like, we can, we can keep batting the drum. Bat, um, batting the drum? Yeah, let's just keep batting the drum. Oh, sorry. What keep batting the drum? <laughs> sorry. Go on. What? I've been Hong Kong. Uh, keep what then? Banging. Banging the drum. Or beating the drum. Beating the drum. Damn. Uh, about. The end of batting the drum. Yeah, we can, well, we can <laughs> bat it all you like. Can we have some more jibisms, please? <laughs> we can keep batting the drum all we like about Slates leaving Leicester, but... Again, it's a poor decision off the field. But it's weird, isn't it, right? Look at Johnny May now. Bok, 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 at Leicester. <laughs> How good is he playing for England? And look at Slates at Gloucester. Um, I'm not saying that they're the reasons why or whatever, but you know, I did an interview with Slates, and obviously I'm well connected to that Gloucester fraternity, and we've got uh, some mutual friends and stuff like that. And you, you talk about killing it. He's killing it there. Yeah. Like, he's suited down to the ground, of fits that Gloucester mould, second row, legendary status, just big, just strong, just, hang on, powerful. Yeah, sorry. Um, he's doing very well. Uh, well. Josh Hayward tweeted us in, um, do Gloucester now have the best lock partnership in the Prem with Slater and Mostert? Yes. Oh, yeah, well, Savage is leaving now as well, and that shows you the, the strength of that. He's got an opportunity, obviously, to go to Japan and play. And I think the, the other guy's Grobler, Bruce Grobler. Not Bruce. <laughs> not, not the game thrower, well, Bruce Grobler. South Africa. But, I mean, they, you're going to have that, the influence of Ackerman as well. But I just think you watch the Gloucester pack. Is it Hansen at hooker? But he's ridiculously good. And then you look at the back row. And he's obviously got the best out of Slates and Morgan. I say them two together because they were probably carrying a little bit of timber. So Slates mentioned the strength and conditioning coach there. Phenomenal job. You look at Creel. You look at uh, Ruin Ackerman as well. Uh, we're going to miss a few players out. We, I mean, friend of the show. Oh, Paledri. Yeah, he's mate, not even in the back row at the moment. Mate, you know, Paledri, I don't know whether he's carrying an injury. Lot Monster. Lewis Ludlow. I think he was playing for the A-team. The, only, the other the, night, Gloucester United. Yeah, the, the only area, and, and you talk about hooker, Franco Murray as well at hooker is very good. Yeah, he is. The, yeah. the only thing, and I, this is the thing, they're going to finish third. Gloucester are going to finish third. I think Gloucester could beat Saracens. Do you reckon? I, I, I genuinely do. I think... The only thing, the only area I think they'll struggle is props, scrum time. Okay, Saracens aren't amazing. No, scrum. no. But if you look at, yeah, you're talking quality, you, you, you look at Saracens, you, the only second row combo that you could compare, Slates and Moster are unbelievably good at the minute. You, know, you, you look at Saracens, they've got, Obviously, Cruz, Itoji, and Scout- Will Scout- oh, I, I think Will Skelton's like tearing up trees this year. I, I think Will Skelton's the, the best lock in Europe and potentially even the world at the minute. The way he's playing, there you go. But the, the interesting thing is, if you're a Gloucester player now, you, know, you don't worry about who you're going to play in the semi-final. You get to the playoffs and then think, right, we're playing them. But you'd prefer to go away to Exeter, where you've already won this year, Correct. than go to Saracens. I, I don't know whether they've ever won at Allianz Park. Well, that's what I was say. Earlier in the season, they got smashed there, didn't yeah. they? I, I don't think Cipriani likes playing on... The four Gs, right? As well, I don't know whether I've read that or heard that through the grapevine, but but they were, at the start of the year they didn't they didn't have all the players they've got now, so they didn't have Creel, they didn't have Murray, a hooker, they didn't have Moster, so they they could do a job, they could do a job. But you're right, I think they prefer Exeter. But for looking at the way that they played against Northampton, you know, I, I don't want to say they are the informed team because obviously Exeter put fifty points on Leicester at the weekend. Saris did well against Newcastle after 
three or four days skiing and then put the lads out who have not played all season. But uh, yeah, so I think Gloucester are very, very good at the minute. Yeah, speaking of the, uh, the ski trip, do you, some people were saying that had an effect on the way that Saris played. Do you think that was the case? I know they got the bonus point in the end, but do you think it did have an impact on the way they played? I mean, you've been on a few of those ski trips, Jim. I haven't. Generally, what did happened... Did you actually ski? Mate, no, never, never. <laughs> um, and what generally happened was I played after the ski trip. So what they normally do is go skiing, you go out and get absolutely slippered responsibly. And then play the shags. Um, and then they put out the kind of second team with the kind of few for... They basically put out the shags, yeah, for mm. the next game which generally involve me and you don't normally play to your maximal potential because you can obviously understand the reason why Andy Rowe because mm. you've been drinking responsibly for the last three or four days you know some might have been impartial to a Marlborough or even a menthol and if I've had a few beers that might have been me I can't remember but generally trying to rock up and play at the weekend <laughs> you're not in the best physical condition I probably feel how I feel right now not very good didn't perform well. Got the play, shakes. Yeah, play for fifty or sixty minutes. Get yanked off. They put crews on. We win the game, and then that's it. You're not playing. In, you're not playing the semi final ever again because you didn't play very well in that game. So basically, you set up to fail. Mm. I don't know why I'm so bitter. Um, yeah. So ski holidays have an effect on the team, of course. Oh, mate, they do. But the, the long term benefits, the long term gains and benefits that you get from that. Like if you're, and I've said this all year, right? And we talked about a few weeks ago this the whole thing about the salary cap came out and blah 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 and Jim you know having his house in Luton one bed guilty, house in Luton guilty. Nigel Ray owned and let him rent for free anyway guilty as charged any player at any other club than Saracens you ask them honestly would they like to be in an environment like that where you go on trips where you do you know you, you very well looked of course they would like how good would it be oh, in my career did I ever go on one of those trips in any of the teams I played for no I didn't. Yeah, the bonding that you get, bondage, bonding that you get as a group together on the piss, you know, whether you're skiing, whether you're in Miami, wherever you are, and they've done it, they do it year in, year out, post Six Nations, when all the boys come back, when Jim tells Farrell, he, you know, he doesn't like him because Farrell thinks he's shit and all this stuff. You have a crack. <laughs> the truth honesty, comes out. Honesty. And then you go on and, you know, it's, you're never going to perform to your maximum after having a trip like that, but they do it year in, year out. And actually, they don't talk about the result, do they? They talk about growing as an individual within a team and making memories. And that will stand them in good stead later on in the season. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. If you're enjoying the pod and are interested in helping us out and getting access to even more great rugby content, don't forget to check out our super fan subscription service. Here's a clip of one of our latest features to give you a taste of what's on offer. Hello and welcome along to the latest episode of the Rugby Pod Sessions and I'm joined today by Wasp Sly Half and a man who's played 16 times for the All Blacks. It seems more than that. See, yeah. I thought you played more than that. Yeah, I think officially 16 tests but um, there's a lot of tests there where I watch from the stands <laughs> and and um, ate lollies and, and, uh, <laughs> instead of uh, actually playing. But yeah, it was cool. It was an awesome time in my life. Uh, and now it's Lima Sopawanga if you hadn't already guessed. Um you're over here, you're playing for Wasps. How hard has it been coming straight off a Super Rugby season into playing over here, not only like physically on the body, but also like it's a different style of play as well, isn't it? How hard's the whole sort of package, the move been for you? Yeah, I think I was probably a little bit naive um, when I when I made the move over. I kind of just thought, you know what, I'm going to go over there, um, I'm going to play rugby, and, you know, what's the difference? It's played on the same length and the same width of field that I play on at Forsyth Bar. It's still two posts. you still got to kick the rugby ball through the goal. The white lines are still the same. Like, how can it be any different? And, um, you know, like, I, for me, I, I think if I had my time again, I would switch my mindset and 
and really understand that life is going to be different and the rugby is going to be different and the way you know they think about rugby and do things over here is different and it's not wrong or right it's just you know something I'm not quite used to yet and um, the competition is definitely I think it's a lot harder just because you play so many games and so many different comps you know like you're in Europe you're in the Prem there's you know A-League there's uh, I don't know what the other cup's called. I call it the Mickey Mouse Cup. <laughs> um, you know, they just have these cups just for the sake of it yeah. um, over here. But yeah, so it, it's been a real eye-opener yeah. learning um, about the game. And, you know, I think a lot of the the boys over here are a lot bigger. And, you know, there's a lot of gym and conditioning kind of going on. And, you know, I've seen some academy boys who, who lift some tin that probably lift more than guys who have been playing Super Rugby for the last five years. Yeah, it is a culture culture shift in terms of the rugby. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, next year I'll be better for this experience. What sort of things do you think, like, you could have done differently before you came over here? Is there anything that you could have actually done as a preparation side of it? I don't think preparation side. I think just my mindset. I just thought, you know what, right. I'm just going to come over here and just do my thing and it'll be all rosy, you know, like how is it any different? Um, you know, I'm playing rugby on, in England and it's not in Dunedin. Like it's the same shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, it, it really isn't because you're playing with different players who, who one, don't know you and you don't know them. So you don't know how they like to play. And, you know, like, in the middle of winter, it's like grey, dark, cold, depressing. Like I've never been in a place like it. Like Dunedin's like that in the winter. Not when the you're playing under a roof. Up. Not when you're playing <laughs> under a roof. True. It's like summer every weekend. And so like I was just like totally blown away. You know, I'd go to work in the dark, come home in the dark, and during the day it'd just be grey. Yeah, I, I actually thought for one, you know, for a second there, I was like, man, have I have I made the right choice to come over? It, it, it was quite tough mentally to kind of get over that. But, yeah, we're through it now. And Was there ever a stage where you thought you might just want to pack up and go home or you, that you could just pack up and go home? I think the hardest part was probably seeing um, my partner so unhappy. You know, obviously it's easy for me because automatically I get friends straight away, you know, like... Mm going to a rugby team and you know we kind of know each other anyway you know social media and everything like that and you know Nathan Hughes was a a big support him and his family have been pretty amazing so I already knew that coming over and then obviously knew Brad Shields and his wife Lou and and things like that but you know for my partner she she all she knew was me and my daughter and she had never been further than Australia you know it was a massive culture um culture shock for her and um to see her you know really struggled at the start was was pretty hard and you know I, I I commend her for you know being the backbone of our family and and being able to push through it and I guess that's why we go to places like Berlin and yeah, yeah. And Dubai and I try to cheer her up and make sure that she stays because if it ever gets to a point where she decides you know what I, you know I can't do it anymore yeah. I need to go home then you know I'll, I'll pack my bags as well because yeah. uh, for me my, my family comes first. And you can listen to the full episode of that along with loads of other great content, all for less than the price of a pint a month. So head over to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod to check it out. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Well, should we have a look at some of the games coming up this weekend then? Jim, you'll be uh, batting your drum for Saints this week. They're coming up against Quinns. Oh, gosh. Oh, if I'm ever batting, if I'm ever batting a drum, it is now. At 100 miles an hour, screaming down the highway. With me pants on me head saying, please. Please what, James? Please beat this Harlequins team Why? so they don't get in the top four, please. Why, what's happening if they what? get in the top four? Mate, I don't know, but I just don't want to see them in the top four. 
That's all. You're getting a tattoo of Joe Myler's face on your arse. This is it for Northampton. I don't know what the point deficit is. Goody will probably know. I don't. But I think if they don't win this weekend, they're out of the top four. Um, well, they're seven, they're seven points behind Harlequins. There you go. So Harlequins are on 49 points. Then Sailor on 44. Bath 44. Northampton 42. Wasps 42. This is the turning point of the season this weekend. If ever there's been one, I think this is it. Have you spoken to your wife about the tattoo? I've not spoken to my wife in about Have you spoken to your wife? I ain't spoken to her in about a month, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, she asked me what, what what it was all about. And I says, just don't worry about it. And I, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> don't ask about Hong Kong. Well, all the games in the Premiership this week are dedicated to restarts, the charity which supports professional players suffering from serious injury, illness or hardship. Uh, it's hoping to raise £20,000 for the confidential counselling service that helps players facing mental health struggles. So we thought we'd have a chat with it all uh, with RPA Chairman Mark Lambert. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Hi, guys. Hey, Mark. Cheers for coming on, buddy. Just how important is this weekend for the RPA and restart? Yeah, it's massive, you know. Um, I mean, firstly, I'd like to thank all the players. I think this year has been by far our biggest year in terms of profile. And a massive part of that is the way that the players around the league have stepped up to, to support the cause. It's a really big weekend from a fundraising point of view, but from a profile point of view mainly, just raising awareness for for what the organisation does. Oh, mate, definitely. And it's one of them, is it, Mark? Like, you know, we, we played professional rugby for a long, long time and probably played, paid a little bit of lip, lip service to it, really, and probably not understanding the importance of, of, of mental health and, you know, that how serious the game is. So I think you guys are doing a fantastic job, so well done. But can you just give us a few examples, just so the listeners know, about where the work's done and, and what kind of projects you guys have been working on? I know there's been a few documented this week that have come out with uh, Jennings, etc. but just a few kind of examples of what you've been up to. Yeah. So obviously there's the high-profile stuff like it's been in the press this week and, um, you know, massively proud of, of the guys of the RPA and the work they've done in that. And there's the more general support that's offered through our confidential counselling. So every RPA member um, has access to 24-7 confidential counselling. At an entry level, that's that's just on, on a phone line, but that can be face-to-face if, if someone needs it. Then you've got the work that the, um, the PDMs, uh, the player development managers, do in clubs and the support they give players outside of the game um so a, a lot of that is is to do with kind of future careers but also to do with the kind of emotional support and the uncertainty of as we all know from our own experience contract issues injury all the rest of it and and the kind of the uncertainty that can breed in players so so that kind of support that independent voice that can be there um to give players advice is massive and then more generally as the rpa we we've, we've been really pushing things like psychological surveys. So we're currently in the second second year of the first ever league-wide psychological survey, looking into what the big stresses are for players um, from kind of entering the game as an 18-year-old to getting towards the end of their career, someone like me. And, you know, uh, some really interesting stuff has come out of that and is coming out of that. Obviously, we're not in a position to publish it yet, but we will, we will be soon. We've also done um, surveys with retired players because more and more, well, any player that's retiring, that's retiring now has only ever known the professional game, which is great from a performance point of view and from a quality of rugby point of view, but can can have its limitations for, for players in terms of life perspective, understanding things outside of the, the bubble of rugby. Um, and obviously the downside of that is it can lead to pretty significant mental health issues and, and uh, you know the problems that can come with that and so I'm, so I know there was some stats that, that came out and it said two in every three rugby players or the guys that retri- retire s- like suffer with mental health problems just 
tell us what you mean or what it means when you say like men- mental health they're, they're reaching out for help or they're down or like what kind of things is it money struggle is it is it all of the above yeah yeah i mean i i, I wouldn't go it's you know it, it's not quite as severe as two out of every three are kind of suffering from something that's kind of clinically diagnosed but it's it's everything from that at the really extreme level so it might be dependencies on whether it's gambling or drugs or alcohol at the very sort of extreme level to guys that feel out of control of their lives don't feel like they have any any direction you know as as we know you know a a rugby lifestyle you get told where to be what to wear every day for your entire career you know there's there's not there's unless you really take a step out of it there's not a huge amount of independent thinking and that stuff and so a lot of guys feel like they they lose that sense of identity, that sense of control, and quite often a sense of a sense of purpose of, of what's coming next. And so I, I think it's I think it's the, the whole range really. That that two out of every three would be right from the guys who massively miss the game and feel like they've lost a huge part of themselves, and that's something they struggle with on a daily basis, right to the extreme of um, of kind of your clinical diagnosis of something really really severe. Now, obviously, when you talk about mental health, what the toughest thing to do when you have got things that you're holding back and, and trying to cover up is just to put your hand in the air and say, I need some help. Now, are you seeing changes in behaviour of boys that are more proactive in, in seeking out this? Is there something else that everyone can do to try and help players? You know, we've seen the Mark Jennings thing come out that obviously he bottled up a load of stuff over over time. Are players now more willing to, to put their hands in the air and say they need help? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I think culturally there's been a massive change in the way we look at stuff like this. But obviously, even more so in rugby, traditionally a massively you know masculine hard-edged sport you don't talk about what your issues are but that's that's changed a lot whether it's high profile cases in the media of guys guys talking or just general awareness through the work that the rpa has done as i say through i think things like preparing for your future and planning for your finance and talking about education and what you want to be when you retire and all those sorts of things i think that's all part of the same picture for me it's about saying you don't have to just be defined by who you are on the rugby field and that leads to conversations that can then go elsewhere. And I know from first-hand experience at Quinn's, we've run a couple of sessions um, where we've had a couple of sort of facilitators in who've spoken really openly about uh, experiences they've had, which has then opened out for boys to talk about, well, actually, on a week-to-week basis, this is what I find really hard about rugby. And it might be, you know, I haven't been picked for the last four weeks and I go home and my family or my wife and my kids don't quite understand what that means. And so having someone at the club that you can talk to about that is massive. And I think having the confidence to sit around the dinner table, sit in the changing room, sit having a meal or playing cards together and just have a casual conversation. It doesn't always have to get heavy and, um, you know, open up about everything, everything that you're feeling every moment. But it's just knowing that your teammates are there. Um, You're right today, mate. Oh, you know, if you need a chat, let's grab a coffee, that sort of stuff. I think it's the small things on a daily basis which really kind of break down that stigma of, um, of I, I just always have to say I'm absolutely fine and there's no issues. And then obviously this weekend is restart weekend. You're looking to turn the Premiership red with laces and boots and everything like that. How else can everyone else that listen to the pod get involved with it um, outside of being a player? Yes, we've got an online auction. We've got some really great prizes donated from across the league. If you go on social media, uh, visit Restart Rugby. Um, there'll be all the information there. Also, hashtag uh, Restart Weekend 2019. Get involved. I know, for example, at Quinn's, uh, we're going to be doing, hopefully in the in the um, supporters bar after the game, we're going to 
be trying to do a live auction of, of the warm-up shirts that the players have worn. So if you're down at the stoop, come and get a bit of memorabilia to raise some money. There'll be things like that going on uh, across the country. Um, obviously, as well, if you can share it on social media, talk about it on social media, or just use it as inspiration to start that conversation at your local rugby club, at your own level, with a mate at the bar, whatever it might be. Um, I think more broadly, like in society, if we can if, if, if we can talk about stuff and maybe use the guys that we watch at a weekend, you know, beating each other up, if they're open to talk about stuff, then there's no reason that everyone shouldn't be, I think. Mate, definitely. Uh, mate, a big well done to you and obviously everyone at the RPA. I know there's a, a big team um, that are putting a lot of work in uh, behind the scenes as well and, and getting behind it, so that's brilliant. Um, let's talk a little bit about rugby, eh? Because I've been vying for Quinns to make the top four and, and, and see you guys do very well this season. That's a lie, no. You don't want them to finish top four. I, I don't. I don't. You get I've, Joe Marler's face tattooed on your yes, horse. Of course, of course. But um, mate, how's it been for you? You've been injured this season a bit, haven't you? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm getting a bit old these days. Um, obviously, still very much involved in playing at the club. But um, with the likes of Joe, Lewis Boyce coming through, haven't had as many opportunities this year. But time catches up with us all eventually. Yes, um, it, yes it does. Been great, been, it's been great to be part of the squad this year. It's been a massive change for us culturally in terms of the way we train. I think you see that on the pitch as, as well the way we've played this year we've had a little blip the last couple of weeks but I mean generally the trend over the course of the year for Quinns has been massively positive given where we were and you know uh, obviously from a restart point of view this weekend's uh, massive but from a Quinns point of view it's, it's a huge game this weekend you know if we can if we can beat Saints this weekend at the Stoop then we're putting ourselves in a really really good position and that's that's the focus of the boys definitely um, frustrating game last weekend at Sale definitely didn't deserve to win the game but also felt that we let ourselves down a few ways but yeah it's uh, it's a pretty good place to be at the moment and then just you, t- you talk about obviously you've been at the club for years and years and one of Quincy's great things but also downfalls was the fact that they didn't change after you won the premiership and it did become too nicey-nicey what key differences has Paul Gustav made this year in changing the complete atmosphere well I mean obviously all, all you guys be aware guys he's a massively charismatic guy changed the way we do we do meetings definitely changed the way we train we know Day after day after day, the way we build into the week, uh, even the, even our day offs change. Um, we have a day off later in the week, so we have a very intense middle period of the week. Get that day off later in the week, and then one sharp session into a game. So that, from a kind of physical point of view, has changed. I think from a from a sort of cultural point of view, and and the way the players respond to it, I think it's just a completely different voice to what we've had. And I'd throw Alex Godling in that mix as well um, as our forwards coach. He's been absolutely brilliant this year. Another huge character within the organisation. Absolutely loves line-outs, as do all forwards coaches, I think. He, he was um, coaching Ealing, Ealing last year, wasn't he? Or the year before? He, he was, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's had the experience of kind of running things as well. So hugely passionate about what he does. Guz is hugely passionate about what he does. And he also works insanely hard. I imagine, not that I've ever been in that environment, from, but from what I hear, I think probably cut from a fairly similar cloth, uh, cloth to to Eddie in terms of you know quite often you'll get you get messages late at night early in the morning and I think he's he's someone who's just constantly thinking about us getting better 16 17 18 hours a day and how he can do that and obviously that expectation on himself rubs off onto what his expectations are of of the players and the whole club so yeah it's 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 definitely been a big change and we've responded to it well and I think we're fitter as well than we were before I mean pre-season this year was my 16th and it was probably the worst so (laughs) Um, right, they don't get any easier. I did nineteen of the buggers. Well, I, yeah, wa- I watched pretty, nineteen of them. Yeah, it was pretty hanging. So, um, but again, we all knew that that's the reason why because we need to, 
you know, we need to be able to stay in games right until the end. And it's, I think we're probably second or third in the league for bonus points this year. And that's a large part of why, why we are where we are. Being able to stick in those games, whether we win them or lose them, right until the 80th minute has, has been a massive difference for us this year. Well, best of luck. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And best of luck for the this weekend, both uh, on the pitch with Quinns and, and off the pitch, raising that 20k uh, for restart for the confidential counselling services that help players uh, facing mental illness uh, issues. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers mate. Cheers coming on, Mark. Cheers, mate. Cheers, thank you. Clearly a Cheers good lad. lad. I mean, you talk about that restart thing makes a massive difference, doesn't it? It's not just, it's not. This isn't just about professional rugby players. You talk about any level of rugby or any bloke doing anything, and it, yeah, you don't have to get to the end of your tether and say, you know, I'm really struggling. You could struggle with some of the smallest things that have a, a massive knock-on effect. So, what the RPA are doing this weekend is phenomenal, and the fact that a lot of the players are now getting behind it and sees the benefits in it. You know, that's what I said in my opening chat to Mark was when I was there you just kind of paid a little bit of lip service to it whereas I think now the social media the influencing you know the influencers etc and people are really now seeing that it's okay to talk and it's okay to be able to say them things that might show that you know you're happy to pull your guard down and, and, and ask for help and I think that the RPA They've always done a fantastic job, but I think the awareness this week and obviously the stuff coming out about Mark Jennings as well and the fact that how much profile he's given them, it's brilliant. Well done. Don't forget, you can catch all the season's Premiership Pro 14 and Champions Cup action on rugbypass.com if you're in Asia. And wherever you are in the world, you can watch this video version of this pod on there as well. Should we have a look at some social media questions? You guys want to answer a few questions? Yeah, let's go. Oh, right. do it. Huey says, after the charity game in Hong Kong, did oh, you guys uh, go... No, no, we didn't. No. What did he say? No. <laughs> <laughs> Go ring the bell with Tom Vandell uh, and Toilangi like Jim did on Barber's Tour. Well, no, we didn't, is probably answer to that question, because Tom Vandell wasn't allowed out with Goody. Um, he would have been allowed to come out with me, but not with Goody. Uh, t- the bell that he's talking about is in an establishment. I don't know the name, because it was a while ago, and I've denied all access and wiped it from my memory. But when the Barbarians were in town in 2013, before the Lions game, Di Young, who was coach at the time... Wasn't happy with you, boys. He wasn't happy. Ha- yeah, well, that's what, well, he weren't happy that he put a drinking bell on the guys on Wednesday, uh, which was the Happy Valley races. So we we're all there, no one was drinking. Thinking. the Lions were in town they were fully prepped they were fully waxed and we weren't basically we've been on the drink for like a good old Barbarians tour do Joey Bananas Joey Bananas they got the message uh, for 10, 10 days in leader we had 50 points put on us against England Dave Wilson basically handed me off and went 50 metres down the pitch and embarrassed us you're just making careers though there of course look at him now he's still playing still going at Newcastle and uh, we all said well, let's go for a quiet one a cheeky one in the middle of Hong Kong. And as we've walked into this bar, I remember Casey la 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 was on the bar ringing this bell. And what the bell meant when you rang was that the person who rang the bell would put money behind the bar and that he would go on to help rehydrate the human masses that were below him. So I was so thirsty and I hadn't drank water in days. It was 50, 50 degree heat, 100% humidity, so I've opened my mouth. And the next day, I've woke up and it was a hangover moment that I didn't realise what had happened. So that's the place uh, in Hong Kong that you ring the bell. Do not go. Just do not go to Hong Kong. Ben Sweeney, Goody, if you were a few pounds lighter and not hanging post-sevens, which of your three former teams would you pull on a shirt for and save from relegation? But it needs to be a bit more than a few pounds, to be honest, isn't it? How much uh, you put on in Hong Kong, do you think? I think I lost weight in Hong no. Kong. 
Mate, we didn't are you, eat. Mate, we are you did in not denial? Eat. We hundred percent lost weight in Hong Kong. No chance. Main You're in reason denial. being, I said this. I was sat on the uh, the flight on the way back, and Jason Leonard's next to me. Um, we basically drank two bottles of Evian on the flight on the way back. He goes, "That's more water than I drank all fucking week." <laughs> so I, th- I lost weight. You don't then, look like you lost no, weight. No, I've to got me. home for three days, and I thought I need to eat my way through the house to make myself feel better. Um, who would I? I don't know. It's, it's tough, isn't it? You know, who, who's going to go down? I, I think Leicester. Are Okay, they're going to be safe because they've got Bristol at home in a couple of weeks. I'd go back to Newcastle because it's a hell of a night out. I mean, I used to love the Friday night games. Sunday games, like the missus would come up and, you know, it's a quiet one Saturday night. You play Sunday, fly home Sunday night. Friday night games, fly up on your own Friday, play the game, can't get home, can you? So you're out with the boys. Newcastle is the one I'd save. Random Heroes tweeted in, if you had to go on a night out with one other player and only one other player, who would you choose? I, I'm never going out again. <laughs> Simple as that. Mine, uh, Drew Mitchell. He's a good lad, isn't he? He's a great lad. I don't ever want to see him again. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go into the rumour mill? Let's. You guys got anything floating around? Well, whilst being in Hong Kong, we have to keep going back because it's where legends meet. It's can the centre of the world. Talk about Hong Kong anymore. Matt Ghetto. He looked in great form. He looked tanned. He looked lean. He looked strong. Great at smoke bombing as well. And smoke bombing is when everyone's flying and they're on a night out, he wants to go home. And he's smart. Gone. Amazing. So Where the hey. fucking house gets? It's his Mate, round. He's gone round. He's gone to Jacker's house, hasn't he? To talk about the World Cup and how he can fit into the plans. Rumours are he's going to replace Larkham as the attack coach. Other rumour I heard on that, though, as well. Brian Smith, ex-London Irish, ex-England attack coach. I mean, poor Brian Smith had to coach England in attack when I was there fly half. I was like, Brian, we're kicking and chasing. That's all we're doing, mate. Uh, rumours of him perhaps going for the attacking coaching job as well. I've heard Dave Rennie is... Uh... Almost signed, sealed, and delivered as the coach. No, he's, re-signed. he's, he's, he's re-signed. He's just Glasgow. re-signed and extended with Glasgow, but don't wow. worry about it. Um, talking of Kiwis in Rennie, uh, Cruden, Aaron Cruden. Cruds. I mean, what a horrendous, like Crudes is right. Cruds. Uh, Glasgow, here we go. Big fan of Hastings, of course, but they are looking at a 10, clearly, and Aaron Cruden's name's been knocking about. Um, I'd be surprised. I'd be very surprised. Well, he's got a good relationship with yeah. David Rennie. That's yeah. why. So a lot of people would be surprised to see him, but he's not done very well at Montpellier, has he? Is he still at Montpellier? He is. Not the biggest of tens, but comes with... A lot of cash. <laughs> a lot of cash. And a small head. He's got a small head. I don't know why. I just that, That's all I remember of Cruds. He's got, he's got a small head. Big he? old bush as well. That's my memories of meeting him once in Hong Kong. <laughs> his head don't might mention be, Hong Kong. His, his head might be five times the size. Can we not talk about Hong Kong? No. Well, should we finish things up with the good, the bad, and the ugly? Yes, let's. Uh, loads of good, as ever. Um, we'll start off in Hong Kong, shall we, Jim? That night out we had. Should we talk about that? No, let's not talk about that. No, that'd be uh, the we bad. will talk about Hong Kong, though. An Island Sevens qualifying to be a core team in the World Seven Series in 2020, beating Hong Kong, actually, in the final. Uh, sticking with Hong Kong, Fiji uh, winning a record fifth straight Hong Kong title. I mean, they just look absolutely ridiculous at times. Let's go back to the Premiership, though. Gloucester winning away at Saints and Mark Atkinson scoring a first-half hat-trick. Aki's, he's a great player, Mark Atkinson. Very underrated. Big lad as well. Um, big unit and everything that is big about him is 
big. Big. Let me tell you. Um, they're looking good for the playoffs uh, for the first time in eight years. Uh, what else was good? Wasps got the bonus point victory over Worcester. Back up looking at top six. No, looking, top looking like they're now out of relegation, Goody. <laughs> but, you know, it was. I had a mate that was in the corporate lounge uh, at the weekend. It wasn't as busy because obviously I was in Hong Kong. So, uh, But they won. So they humbled. got the bonus point. Uh, that was great. What else was good at the weekend? Benetton Treviso. Drawing. Yes. At Leinster, if there's a most improved team, and it's one of those, you know, when you go back to being a kid and you get player of the season, most improved. Most improved means you were shit and you you, you improved a bit. Benetton oh, this that. year, I got that a couple of times. Benetton this year, ridiculous. How good they are at the minute. Getting a draw away at Leinster. Um, we're going back to Hong Kong for the good this week. Sebastian Chabal singing "I Will Walk 500 Miles" dressed as a caveman. Oh, when I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's going to be, it's going to be. I love it. How good was that? I mean, I know he's getting paid about underground for it, whatever. But he's probably getting paid five hundred. How good? Five hundred miles. Yeah. 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 How good was that? Seeing Sebastian Chabelle dressed up as a caveman. I mean, there's no better man for it as a caveman in front of the South Stand singing. I will sold my soul to <laughs> you, and I've sold my soul to you. So the good. The good this week goes to Sebastian Chabal, his bank manager, and him singing, dressed as a caveman, I will walk 500 miles. In front of the South Stand, the loosest place you'll ever see. The bad. We're going to start with Carl Sinclair. What are you doing, Carl oh, Sinclair? mate, you should have said that to Mark Lambert when he was the on the phone. It's the fake tough guy thing again, the discipline. You know, you, every, he's just backing up what I said after Ingham Wells. What are you doing, Carl? Have a word with yourself. That was pretty bad. Why, what did he do? Oh, you know, he's just losing his early slaps. Fafter Clerk on the chest gets yellow carded. Crucial moment in the game. Maybe he doesn't like Shrek. No, Fafter Clerk. Yeah, he looks like that guy off Shrek, doesn't he? The, the yeah. prince. The okay. Prince. Yeah. yeah. All right. There you go. What else was bad? Uh, sale prop Jake Pope getting banned for six months for testing positive for cocaine for a second time. Uh, that's pretty bad. But the bad this week, it's got to go to my old club, Leicester. Most points they've conceded in a game for 658 matches, dating back to 19. 19- 88. I love you, that. The ugly, well, there's only one ugly thing this week, and we're back to Australia. Israel Falau. Oh. Back to his old ways on social media, posting on Instagram. Drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, liars. fornicators, thieves, thieves, atheists, idolaters. What's an idolator? Hell awaits you. I mean, basically what he's saying is everyone's going to hell, including himself, because... I do believe he's done a lot of those things before he found God. Matt, I, I'm not, I don't know him, so how am I meant to know I mean, well, you said... He's a liar! He's a liar. And a manipulator. So, this week, the ugly goes to Israel Falau and his social media rantings. Get back in your box. I, abs- I, I actually, I'm a, I'm a manipulator. I manipulate the kids to go to bed and, and say... If you go to bed right now, I'll give you £5. That's what I said to them. So, the night I got in from Hong Kong, they're like, Dad, we want to see you. And it's like, look, JJ, look, I says, mate, I'll give you 20 quid. If you go to bed now... It's gone from five to 20, Jack and Ori Jim. I said, if you, if you go... No, I said, look, if you go to bed now, sort your sister out of Fiverr, sort the twins out of Fiverr as well, I'll give you... <laughs> I'll give you a bit more just to go to sleep now and do not make a sound for three days. P.S. I love you, son. So that makes me a manipulator, so I'm going to help. Thanks, Jim. Uh, thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you all for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our new Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. The rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod. pod.